Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. We've had a full, full time of fellowship already in worship, don't you think? My friend Gordon and I did something this morning that I used to do with so many of my church families over the years from as far back as I can remember and we don't do it very much here. But I made a comment to him as we had just had a little conversation and he started to walk in come back into Sabbath school and I said, God is good. And he turned around with a big smile on his face. He said, all the time. All the time. And I replied to you, and all the time, God is good. God is good. Do you believe that this morning? Yes. Do you know why you are able to believe that? Do you know why? There's a reason. If Christ ascended back into heaven, and that was the end of the story of his interaction with us when he returned to the Father, would we today, sitting here, be able with full confidence and big smiles, be able to say, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good? Would we be able to do that if he had just gone, returned to the Father, and that was it? Come on. It's not a trick question. It's not a trick, it's not a trick question. What's the one thing... It hadn't happened yet. What hadn't happened yet? He promised. He said, when you leave here, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and do something. Wait. Wait. Because I promised something to you, but you got to wait for it and get ready for it. Now, if he had just gone and he had left the disciples and just left them, well, we're no better than Noah, who was hopeful but had no assurance. Noah was a great man of faith. But where was his connection to God? It was there. It was out there. It was outside of him. Jesus said, I will need you to wait. Go back. And they did. And they had fellowship one with another. There were about 120, roughly, not counting the women and the children. And they huddled together in various homes and areas where they could get together. And they did some very, very, very specific things. They devoted themselves to the things that Jesus had taught them. They talked them over. They discussed them. They dwelled on them. They considered them. They meditated on them. They prayed. They prayed constantly. Father, you said you were going to send us a comforter, a, a companion. It, it, we're waiting. We're here. We're waiting for you to move among us. And I don't think they understood what was going to happen because if I said I'm going to send you a companion, 
most of us, I think, would think, oh, well, somebody I can shake hands with and talk to and, you know, a person. And somebody who's going to comfort you. Think back when you were a little kid and you got an owie on your knee. And it was the biggest owie the world had ever seen and it hurt so bad. And you needed somebody to comfort you and to fix it and to kiss it and make it all better. And they were praising God. We find this. Um, Suzanne, I'm sorry I stepped on your, on your time this morning. If you look in, the, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to the end of the chapter, you'll see what they were doing. It said they were continuing in these things. They were gathered together. They were devoting themselves to the proper things. They were praising God. And here's something that a lot of us don't know because we read it too fast. It says they were enjoying the favor of all the people. Wouldn't it be nice if as a Christian today we could enjoy the favor of all the people? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be a different society that we would be living in if we were loving God and praising God and dwelling on God's things and praying God and everybody enjoyed it and supported us and didn't think we were crazy cuckoos? And then the fire fell. Tomorrow, in the life of the church, 50 days after the ascension, Pentecost came. Why did we have to have Pentecost? Why did we have to have the fire? Why did we have to have the indwelling of the Spirit? Thinking about Noah. On those dark nights in that ark, and he just, he would just pray. He prayed, but what was inside of him? Nothing but hope. Because he didn't have the fire. The fire had not fallen yet. The fire had not come to set his soul ablaze with the glory of God. Every person sitting here this morning, I pray that you have had your personal Pentecost. I pray that you have connected with God in such a way that he has poured into you his spirit, that strength, that power, the hope, the security, the fire that sets you up to say, yes, I can. Lord, with you, I can. And when it's dark and you're in the ark and it smells bad, because I don't, I've been farmer. You sleep in the barn at night, sometimes you've got a sick animal. It's not the most pleasant place to be in the middle of the night. And the waves are rocking the boat, and the thunder is booming around you, and you just don't know. You look inside of yourself and you touch the Father because he's with you. He's inside of you. You have been filled. Are you aware of that? That is your birthright as a child of God. To be filled with his spirit. 
to be ablaze with his glory so that when people come in contact with you, they go away. Something a little different about that person. I, I can't put my finger on it. They just seem so confident and strong and, and, and things are, go I know that they're having financial problems and I know this, this is wrong and all these terrible things are happening. But they're filled with such joy and such zeal and such excitement about what's coming and such love and compassion for other people. I wonder why. And it's because of Pentecost where the fire fell and set those souls of those believers in that room with such energy and such illumination that they ran into the streets and started preaching about Jesus and what he had done for you and 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 everybody. My question this morning, have you had your own personal Pentecost? It's never going to happen the same way again because God doesn't deal with us as mindless in groups. He deals with us as individuals. He knows our secrets. He is in that secret place where you don't let anybody go. You don't even want to go there sometimes. There he is. And he has given to you his presence to live within you so that you are connected to him 24 7, 365, no break. As long as you are following him, paying attention to the teachings, following his word, praising him, praying, being open to his leading, walking with him, even though it may be midnight and you cannot see anything in front of you, you still pick up your foot and you put it down. And brother and sister, that's the hardest part. Because where does the light come from? It comes from that fire that he has set in your soul that cannot be quenched because it's from him. And these 120 plus turned the world upside down because they allowed themselves to be filled with his spirit. If I knew the way to tell you to do it, I wouldn't be standing here in Rocky Hill, South Carolina. I'd be ruling the universe somewhere. I know how it works for me. I seek. I pray. I think. I make choices. After praying about choices and thinking about choices, does he want me to do this? Does he want me to do that? Does he want me to go here? Does he want me to go there? Does he want me to say this? Does he want me to say that? It's not easy. 
No one ever said it was going to be easy. He didn't say it was going to be easy. He said, take my yoke upon you. Now for city dwellers, I'm almost done. For city dwellers who don't know what a yoke is, it's a big, heavy, wooden contraption that you put around an ox's shoulders so that his shoulder blades push on it as he steps back and forth. And what that does, it pulls whatever's behind him. And it weighs a lot. I can't pick up an ox yoke for two oxen. I can pick up one for, for one ox. But he wants to be yoked together with us, so that's a big yoke. He says, my yoke is easy because he's on the other side helping us. But it's work. You are not going to be carried to heaven on a cloud with a little cherub singing pretty songs. Bring-da-ding-da-ding goes the heart. People are going to be throwing flowers in your path. It doesn't work that way. But it's full of joy. It's full of love. It's full of compassion. Because he is a God of love and a God of compassion and a God of joy and a God of peace. And if you're not having that this morning, did your fire go out? Did you pour some water on your fire? You know how we do it? Oh, I just don't think that's going to work. No, I, I don't. No, I don't. They might make fun of me. Pouring water on the fire. As you go from this place today, try to feel the fire. Let it well up in your soul until your heart is so full that you have to run into the street and tell somebody about Jesus. Now, do I literally mean go run in the middle of the street and tell somebody about Jesus? Maybe I do. Maybe I do. Hang on a sec. Day card Monday from one of my students. I'm not her mother. Her mother is Muslim. And this little angel brought me a little Mother's Day card. And I could tell she didn't want her mother to know she had it. And she slid it across the piano bench. She said, this is for you. Can you keep it a secret? I said, yes. And I opened it up. It's from a little fifth grader, a little bright girl, very bright. Miss Rebecca, I love you. 
because you love me. Love Aurelia. Don't pour water on your fire. Stop pouring water on your fire. God can only do what you let him do. If you say, I just want a cold to keep me a little bit warm on those bad nights, he'll let you have a cold that will keep you warm on your bad nights. He does. But my prayer is always, God set me on fire for you. Set me on fire for you.